it's it's a tale of two cities, Thomas. Yeah. How you doing? Uh, you know, I don't know. Uh, not bad. Let, let me ask. Computer, what time is it? It's 8.29 p.m. Ah! <laughs> Computer, Earl Grey, Earl Grey tea hot. Sorry, I didn't understand. Yeah, I know, I'm sorry because I stuttered. Computer, Earl Grey tea hot. I'm not a replicator. That's true. She's not a replicator. It's not a replicator. Yeah. That's so cool. So, so you're obviously excited because we now live in the future. We're living in the future. So uh, Amazon just rolled out an update to the Echo and the dots and all, you know, the spots or whatever their their things are called. And I'm probably going to move over to Google Home devices, but for right now, we have <laughs> we have an Echo Dot in every room <laughs> in our house, and uh, an Amazon Echo in the uh, in in the main room, like in the den area. Um, and it, it really does kind of drive our lives because this thing hooks mm-hmm. up to to Doist and Gmail and Calendar, and, you know, so I can pretty much do everything. And then you can say like what news sources you like, so I can get my fake news from Breitbart and uh, InfoWars and whatever in the morning when I'm getting ready for work. Um, but it's great. So they, they just rolled out an update now so that you can say, okay, computer, there there, there it goes. Um, it's probably going to say something back. Instead of saying, ahoy, uh, and I'm not, I'm not going to say the wake word because people were very upset. <laughs> when when people yeah. say this on podcasts for obvious reasons, but now yeah, you can you can change it to computer, and it just ah, I'm okay with it being activated like that. So I so, I NSA. So can okay. you can you change it to anything, or you just have a couple options? No 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 no, you just you just have a couple couple okay. of options. Yeah, you can say the the female ish name right. Alexa, uh, Amazon Echo, or now computer. Yeah, and. Uh, and yeah, so we have all the hue lights and stuff. So it really is like when you walk into our house, it's like Star Trek because you say, "Computer, turn on the bedroom lights," and boom, the bedroom lights just come on because <laughs> we have the hue lights. And anyway, I'm yeah, very excited about also, this. So I mean, so you can do that, right? You can just talk to it and say that. But you can also, uh, you and I are obviously big fans of if this, if this, then that. So you can set up recipes, right? If you have your hue lights and all this stuff, you can set up a recipe to where, uh, when I come home, you know, turn on, um, you know, this setting of lights, right? So we'll turn on your, uh, your kitchen lights and your whatever bedroom lights, and then you can also set it up with your Echo, so that you can say, um, hey, you know, lock up the house, and it will turn your lights off. Yes. It will lock your door if you thing, have right? if you have the right. Wi-Fi enabled locks. Uh, if you have the blinds that will go down to it, will like pull your blinds down so it like locks up the house. So that's um, that's what I'm really excited about, kind of moving toward that as it becomes more mainstream and you know more uh, cost effective for for the regular consumer. So you know Feedly, which you and I both used after Google Reader went away, sadly. Hey, rest in peace. Um, yeah, <laughs> rip. Pour some for the homies. Uh, so Feedly, uh, I, I got a survey the other day and it said like, you know, what, what can we improve on in, in 2017 to keep you using Feedly Pro? Cause I still pay whatever it is a year, like 30 bucks or something a year to have Feedly Pro. And I responded back like, well, you know, I don't, 
I, I still dip into Feedly every now and then to like read blogs and websites and stuff. Yeah. But I have an Android and when I swipe left on the main screen, I get the Google kind of screen and Google does a very good job of surfacing things for me automatically. You know, and this AI world is the world that we're rapidly moving into. So wouldn't it be great if Feedly would just kind of do that rather than me having to go through folders and find things and kind of do that traditional RSS feed reading model. Right. Um, well, you know, wouldn't it be great if you if you would just say like, hey, lots of people are talking about Samsung's Note 7 apology and lots of people are talking about the new title of Star Wars Episode 8. Um, spoiler. But, you know, wouldn't it be great if you surfaced that for me? Like like what Nuzzle does. Have you, do you use Nuzzle? I know I send you lots no, of links from it, Nuzzle. But, you get, uh, but I get links from you. I get Nuzzle links from you all the time. <laughs> so, so, so Nuzzle you, me all the time. I do Nuzzle you, Thomas. So you, you sign up for Nuzzle, and uh, you, you get notifications on your device, iOS or Android, based on the threshold that you have for how many friends share it on Twitter. So because I use Twitter a lot, like I have it whereas you know, anytime someone shares, I think it's anytime like five friends share something i get a notification mm-hmm. or or you know you can say anytime someone you're following like five of their friends share it which you're you got to be crazy to do that yeah. um computer turn off the bedroom lights ah, that's so cool so <laughs> it's too bright in here so with with nuzzle like you, I, I get these kind of constant stream of updates so for me like that's what I want in in my home device thing, whether it's Google Home or, or Amazon Echo or whatever. Um, you know, but but I'm looking at new vehicles now, and the 2017 vehicles, a lot of them are hooked up so that you can control them through IFTTT or or Google Home or Echo, and it's like Apple CarPlay, Apple CarPlay, yeah, things like that. Yeah, too. well, not just that, but like you you right. set your you set your thing, and you can say you know a Hoi device turn on my truck, turn on my car, and your car starts automatically out, you know, for you in, in the garage or whatever. And that's amazing. Um, you know, but I, I want to get to the point where when I walk into the bathroom, and, and Android is really here, and I, I know you're an iOS person, so you don't get this, but when I go into the bathroom in the morning to get ready, and I take my shower and I hop out, and I've got my, my Android device there, and I swipe up, which gives you all your apps, it gives you a, a top row of apps that are, are your most frequently used apps during that time of the day. Yeah. So it automatically presents like TuneIn Radio because I listen to NPR in the morning while I'm shaving and getting ready in the morning. Uh, but then it's got like my bank uh, app and uh, my work email app and my personal uh, like messaging app or whatever. And it just kind of judges like, hey, we think you're going to use these apps at, at this time. So even on iOS, like I don't like having any apps on my home screen because I want that to be suggested to me like through notifications or whatever but i don't know yeah so um, like we're, we're one step closer that's we're I'm, getting I'm just there. and you know uh, and we actually didn't talk about this on the show last week and we'd intended to um but with evernote's reboot that's what they're kind of going to as well right with their ai they're they're kind of refocusing back to where they were like a note company right dump everything in and then we will help you pull it out and so it's now not just that they have amazing search capabilities but it's doing the same type of thing that we want to try to surface the right information for you when you need it so that you don't have to go in and figure out all these you know keywords that you need to use or want to use 
but that it will help you kind of do that through their machine learning. Uh, so I, I think you're right that that's where we're moving. Um, and that's kind of the best thing that AI can do for us, right? Is that it, it will it will make our lives easier because we get home uh, or we get up in the morning and our you know coffee pot turns on once we snooze our alarm because then it knows we're probably going to drink coffee within i don't know how long i don't drink coffee but i guess some people maybe right away some people maybe half an hour right but it, it just does these for you pull you know your when you pick up your phone your news feed is there from you know the news sources that you typically read in the morning and um you know, then when you open your Evernote, it's got, oh yeah, um, here are all your uh, notes for this project that we know has a deadline coming up today, or you have a meeting about this project today. So we're pulling all this stuff together for you. Right. So, it, it, yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm excited about getting there too. The thing will be how well is, how well will all of these services be integrated and will that be at the device level? that they have to be yes. integrated uh, most likely, or will it be at some other level? And if you keep having these proprietary issues, right, uh, where Amazon has their whole thing, Google Home has their thing, Apple Home has their thing, Evernote has their thing, right, then there's there's some complications there potentially. But I, I think you're right, it'll happen at the device level, but this is why winning the platform is so important, right? Mm. Which, well, uh, yeah, to I a degree, know. which I think though brings us to the kind of relaunch or whatever of a reboot of another uh, service today, right? With Google voice. Yeah. So Google voice is back and and I mean, you know, I've, I've, I've been a huge Google voice fan since, uh, since it was grand central back in 2007 or something. Um, so my, my original number, which I just reset up today to hook up to my phone was uh, a grand central number. And Google bought Grand Central like they did with, uh, what was it, Rightly. So Google made Rightly into Google Docs, and they made Grand Central into Google Voice. And when they did that, we thought, well, hell, that's it. You know, the, the phone companies are dead. Google's going right. to go out and kill the phone companies. And I was so excited about that. Uh, yeah, and and basically. Well, you know, they, they, I mean, they, they got it up to a certain but, point. Yeah, yeah it's, been, it's been in maintenance mode for about eight, nine years now. A long time, yeah. It's about 2010, 2011, really. Um, but yeah, this this new update like really kind of brings Google Voice back. So now you can do MMS. Right, it brings yeah. it into like 2013. <laughs> you can do group messaging, but I mean for a free thing. Think about that. Like you, anybody can go out and get a phone number, and you get a free account with your Gmail account, and you have a phone number, and you can do MMS and and send picture messages and all that stuff. Like that's pretty cool and yeah, it's but, okay but then the question is why would they right? why would they invest in this if they if it's not part of a long-term strategy no i agree i agree i know you're skeptical uh, mr apple but well i'm i'm skeptical for a number of reasons one is okay you're doing what you know messaging apps have been doing for years now finally right uh where they kind of really came onto the scene right and and we know this is tied to their other products but was their voicemail transcription Right, which they're using their voicemail transcription, and you know you're helping them improve that so that they can improve their voice search capabilities for you know Google Home, all this stuff, right? So we understand how that's all tied together, but um, so that that's a really nice feature. But the question is, um, how do you convince people to use Google Voice and to say this is good enough for all of my communications with other people that I'm going to use that solely? And then that that will pull you into the Google platform, 
don't think Google Voice is going to be a pull into the Google platform as much as something is going on with the way they're doing the Pixel because the Pixel now accounts for like 12% of Verizon sales mm-hmm. and the iPhone is only like 7% for the last month or something. Like it was, it was a weird flip-flop and all of a sudden in December, January, like Pixel is very hard to find. And I think Google's realizing, holy crap, like we have a hit on our hands for the first time because we've been trying this whole Nexus thing that never really took off. But when I go see a movie now with the girls, like every ad before every movie is a includes a pixel ad. It's that it's that full that standard poodle, right? The full size poodle with the rocking haircut and the like rock music behind it. That ad is definitely driving the pixel cells. I don't know. You haven't seen that ad. It is a funny, good ad. Okay, yeah, I was just thinking, yeah, great ad campaign. But but that uh, today today, uh, lady at work was was we have a Fitbit challenge that we do, and I forgot my Fitbit. I forgot to wear my Fitbit charge HR whatever on my wrist, and she was like, oh, well, you can you can hook it up on your phone and and do the same thing, like you just keep your phone with you the whole time. And I was like, really? She was like, yeah, within the app. She like, let me let me see your phone. So I hand her my phone and open up the app and she's like what kind of phone is this and i was like it's the google pixel and she's like oh i've seen this on the tv like you know i'm not saying she's not (laughs) but she was like this is a really nice phone and i was like what kind of phone do you have she's like well i have an iphone and she was like wow so i mean like is this as good as they say i've convinced three people at work no no lie to get google pixels um and you're still not getting a cut because I'm the consummate evangelist. I know, right? <laughs> I'm like, use my affiliate link. But so, so what I'm going to say is I think Apple is missing out on the the real promise it had with Siri and getting out of the gate first with Siri. And I know they're, they're trying to keep it device agnostic. And, you know, maybe iPhone 8 is going to come out and be amazing and have some kind of, you know, Westworld type functionality that, that no one can see yet that's going to really push ahead. Well, some of the rumors the are right, that, it's going to. Now, we, we know yeah. how these typically don't pan out, but like some of the but, AR rumors are amazing. We'll see. But let me tell you, I mean, like, like Pixel and Mariana and I use uh, Google Allo for our messaging now because <laughs> not only does it like self populate, so if she writes me or sends me a picture, like, it scans the picture and says like, wow, that looks so much fun. I wish I was there. And all I have to do is like, boop, <laughs> the button. But it also, it picks up on keywords within your conversation. And it's, you know, if I say like, what time do you want dinner? It, it automatically includes the Google assistant within our conversation and says like, Hey, I can suggest some, some uh, places for dinner. What, you know, what, what were you thinking? Like, I know that's creepy to some people, but for me, that's pretty amazing because you know what? Sunday morning, I get we get the Sunday New York Times, the dead tree paper format. Right. I love it. Sunday morning, pouring rain here. We had huge storms. The paper was soaked. Like you don't get that with an interactive function. So I, you know, I've got to. I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to make a metaphor here. That's not really working. But yeah, yeah. You, you see what yeah. I'm saying? Like like the the paper is wet. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's definitely a metaphor. I'm not sure what for. Maybe for maybe for 2017, right? That's a good the, metaphor. The paper, for the paper, the is, paper wet. is wet. Uh, so okay, so I agree with you. Before we get off this like tech portion here, um, you and I've talked before about how Apple, we think, has made a mistake in not opening up iMessage. 
right? And so this is this would be a place that Google Voice potentially could come in. Uh, it's a place right now that um, Facebook Messenger is trying to own, right? Kind of the messaging space. And iMessage could be that with the apps that they're now allowing you to put in, uh, you know, to kind of install in messages. And yeah, that's, that's not Google it Voice. It does a lot of the... That, no, I'm saying, but Google Voice is, is allowing you now to do the messaging, right? MMS. Well, so, like, like MMS type stuff, but not like... That's right, but I'm saying, that, but you can, that's, Yeah, but you can see how this really... And this is what I said to you today, right? That they should have co-opted the, the Google Talk uh, handle, which was their, like, um, instant messaging client. Does it, And I guess that they still use that. I mean, it's in Gmail, but nobody really thinks about it as a separate thing. But because it, this should really all be coalesced together, right? So you just open your app that is your communicator app and you either talk to somebody via video or via text or via MMS or via uh, voice, whatever. It doesn't matter, but this is just the way you communicate with people. And then all of your maybe conversations with that person are in one place. Yeah, and we're kind of getting back there. So I'm not going to go off the deep end, but there's a, a protocol called RTC that most uh, carriers are going to adopt in the next couple of years. And Allo supposedly is going to include that. Android's a big fan. Apple's not going to include that as far as we know so far. Um, it's kind of like the SMS protocol, but basically it, it, it does kind of that. So even though you might be in WhatsApp or whatever, it, as long as it's an open... Or as long as they adopt that protocol, you'll be able to communicate. It's the same thing we had in 1993, where if you had a CompuServe email address, you couldn't uh, email someone who had a Prodigy email address. And right, right. when I first got on the web, that was the case. So you can only communicate with people who had Prodigy if you were in Prodigy. And, and that's where we are now with iMessage and WhatsApp and Allo and, and Facebook Messenger and all those things. And that's going to change. Um, I don't know if Apple's going to be open to that. And, and that's right, and that is what's going to hurt. Yeah, and that's what's going to hurt them with the whole AI thing. Like, they're never going to open up like Amazon or Google does with being able to tie into Todoist and this app, this app, you know, and, and Google Calendar and this app and this app. And we don't live in a, a siloed world anymore. But some people think we do, and that's why you people keep buying iPhones and iPads. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> I just opened my computer. MacBook Pro. <laughs> It's great. I just opened my computer and then, oh, it's unlocked already because I'm wearing my watch. Your Apple Watch. Yeah. I get six hours of battery life. No, I, but, I, which I, is I better than your computer, I guess. <laughs> okay, you're yeah, you're you're crapping on it, but I, I will tell you, I've not had. I said this last week, right? I've not had any of the battery issues in my computer. Um, that yeah. I've read other about other people have. My battery has been fantastic on my computer, and so actually, the battery on my watch is amazing too. I have, I mean, how long have I had that? I've had this for months now. I don't think I've had it a year yet. It's the Series 2. So whenever the Series 2 came out, I got it right then. Uh, so however old that is. But um, so, I, so are you saying it's the best watch period? Oh, no. It's not even close. Um, <laughs> I still have my, like, Citizen Echo drives that I, I really love kind of a traditional watch. And my Citizen Echo drive watches are my favorites. Um, but, but, but the Apple Watch is the best watch of all time recorded no question period no questioning period. yeah 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 those are my alternative facts um hashtag but no it it uh it really um 
the battery life of my watch has been great. I go, so, I mean, I'm training for a half marathon right now. So I'll get up and I'll go run five miles in the morning, uh, put my watch on for my run and wear it the whole day and take it off at 11, 12 o'clock at night. And it still has like 50, 40, 50% of battery. I you mean, know, tracking the run. Right. So, um, so no, it is, it is great. Walled gardens really are great because everything they are. works yeah, well together. And that's exactly, exactly. And, and that's the thing. I mean, it's not that someone may not overtake Apple uh, because it will happen eventually anyway. But the thing that will, if even if Apple doesn't innovate in the ways that we hope they do, the thing that will keep them on life support for some time is how ubiquitous their garden is. Yeah, because iCloud is awesome. Go save oh, all your files in that. No, <laughs> save all your I pictures there. <laughs> they should have. They should, he, Steve Jobs should have increased the ask for when he or the offer to Dropbox from a billion to like two billion because iCloud is abysmal. But yeah. Anyway, let's talk about <laughs> other things. <coughs> Speaking of abysmal, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to check you up here. Um, Let's see what what, what I don't know what what's going on. Um, we have computer. How about how about uh? You want to talk about the Pope? Big week, big week for uh, politics, big week and religion. For the <laughs> okay, let okay here we have to address this okay because this came up actually. Um, went out to dinner with some friends uh, Friday night, so the night of the inauguration. Um, I would just say that. The drinks we had were not celebratory. Um, and uh, these are some friends of mine that are involved locally down here and, you know, different political scenes. And uh, one of them had listened to the show and wanted to talk about the show that we did last week. And which is always a funny thing, right? When people in real life are like, hey, so I listen to your show and I was, you know, thinking oh, about gosh, this. I know. It's like, oh, I don't want to go there. <laughs> but so we had this whole long conversation, right, about the marches and about whether they would affect anything or not. So what I want to hear is uh, what your reaction is to the marches and do you think that they have done anything or have the potential to do anything? Well, I mean, that's an unfair question. Right. Everything has the potential, right? Okay. But I, I guess, I guess your, your immediate like reaction... Potential? <laughs> yeah. Your immediate were, were reaction... Kinetic marches, Thomas? Based on um, our conversation last week. And then what you saw on Saturday with the I, I hour, you know, I've seen like up to 4.2 million worldwide you know, on the high end as a range. Yeah. We'll see how that changes, but yeah, no, I mean, I think that's, I think that's amazing. I mean, I think that George Soros really put his money where, where his, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I, I think that the, the potential, if you want to say it that way, the, the kinetic potential for these marches to actually cause some change is very high. Um, I, I was quivering in my boots when I was listening to Madonna talk on our stereo downstairs with my nine-year-old. Yeah, as she dropped yeah, a couple of f bombs. Right. Um, so yes, yeah, so I didn't. And I, that's fine. That that was fine. I wasn't. I wasn't like I, I explained to my daughter. Like people are upset, but when Madonna said, "Now's the time for a revolution. Now it's time to." you know, to put our money where our mouth is kind of a thing. Like now we're going to do this. I'm like, no, now is the time in November. Where was this in November? And right. and where's this going to be on Monday morning? And 
I don't know. I haven't seen a whole rush of people to go sign up for running for office. Um, not saying that it wasn't cool that John Kerry was out walking with his dog in the middle of the Women's March. and not saying that it wasn't great that, was that cool. 1.5 million women showed up. Uh, yeah, I thought that was awesome. Or, you know, 15,000 people showed up in Tallahassee instead of 1,000 people. I mean, I, I think those types of numbers are staggering and amazing, and I hope we do something with it. Um, but I think the actions on Friday night with the riots were maybe more potentially effective than, you know, maybe what happened on Saturday. Um, okay, maybe. I mean, so you and I have talked, we talked about this a lot, right? And of course, you know, I keep coming back to the Martin Luther King Jr. quote that the riot is the, you know, the language of um, the oppressed um, and the unheard. So I fully understand the how riots happen sociologically, why they happen, uh, and the effect that they can have. But I think it was striking that we did have uh, what I think by all respects is one of the largest demonstrations this country has had ever. Maybe not the largest by any means, but one of the largest single-day I, I think it was actually, yeah, the, the largest single-day demonstration. So maybe the largest single-day demonstration. Okay. Which I think is amazing. Okay, and there are yeah. all kinds of things wrapped up into it. For a lot of people, it was anti-Trump. For some people, it was very much not anti-Trump. They didn't want it to be anti-Trump. They wanted it to be about you know women's rights or human rights, and they wanted it to be about LGBTQ rights and things like that. But I will say this: uh, I heard from or, or I saw that she should run. Which, if it's not an organization you're familiar with, it's um, yeah. they're an organization. You know, for our listeners, they just want to uh, get women to run for office and try to help get women elected. And uh, I saw that they had 4,200 women sign up, say that they were willing to run for office. So I do think we have some people signing up uh, saying, hey, I want to get involved. I want to run for office. But there are other issues to that too, right, to getting involved, which you and I have talked about some. But uh, before before we get to that, um, I will say the, the estimates here, and they've kind of ranged here, but the official estimate the paper gave here in Tallahassee was 14,000, and it was pouring down rain. Um, I was shocked. I think everyone was shocked. Um, I mean, that's basically 10% of the permanent population here in Tallahassee. Uh, there were some people that drove from other parts of the state, but there were six other marches in Florida. Um, so, yeah, it was it was obviously impressive. Um to see that and and but you and I were saying the same thing. I think and I would say a lot. I think a lot of the speakers did too. I didn't hear all the ones in Washington, but I heard some of them. Heard the ones in Tallahassee, some a few other places. But a lot of them did push this message of okay, you're here we have to get involved. But the problem is right. What you said is um, yes, we need to do it now. But we should have been doing this two years ago. We should have been doing this eight years ago, right? We should have been building off of. Uh, the Obama win in 2008 and say, okay, now let's let's not stop here, right? Um, essentially run up the score if you can, right? Leave no doubt. That is my kind of uh, philosophy when it comes to uh, s- sporting events. Um, but there's some barriers to that, right? To getting involved politically, right? So how do you, how do you do that? I think that's the question a lot of people are asking. How do you do what? When? How do you get involved politically? Uh, well, so it's coming from a former precinct chair, I can tell you. You have to have a next-door neighbor who was a precinct chair before you who said, wow, you like politics. You should come to the precinct meeting with me. And I, I go to the meeting, and two months later, I'm the precinct chair. That's how it happens. That's how it happens. That's the problem, right? 
So Thomas, say say that you wanted to get involved in precinct politics. What would you do? What would I do? Okay, let's see. The first thing I might do is I might um, reach out to like a young Democrats group in the state, um, but then not hear anything back. <clears throat> then I might reach out to um, say my county representative, like for the Democratic Party, not the like county commission representative, but my county representative for Democratic Party. And then I might also not hear anything back. And then I might look for precinct information on the internet that has everything except for precinct information, like here's when our precinct meetings are. That's what I would do. And that's what I have done. Yeah, so I mean, right, so I, I, I'm just thinking, like, okay, here's my situation. How many other people are in this situation, right? Michael Moore stood up in front of a half million people in D.C. and said, you know, get involved at the precinct level. And so if 5% of those people said, yeah, I'm going to go home and get involved at the precinct level. And then they look around and they say, how do I get involved at the precinct level? I don't maybe don't even know what my precinct is. Okay, I'll pull up my voter registration card. It tells me a precinct number, but I don't even know what that means. You know, how do I figure that out? Do precincts have meetings or like how many people are in a precinct? How small is it? How large it is, is it? Like, how do you find out this information? I mean, yeah, I know. Like, go at at you know supervisor elections uh, website and you can find a lot of data about your precinct and stuff but this is part of the issue i think um and this will be a huge uh hurdle a huge burden uh for the democratic party going forward and in general for the progressive movement going forward is how do you um capitalize on where so many people are right now and you have people that want to get involved and so they sign a volunteer form on your website and all they other ever get from you are emails asking them to give you money or to put your add your name to a list to say that you oppose <laughs> such and such okay well that didn't do right. anything right what's one more name on some arbitrary list that means everything thomas so I, I'll, I'll tell you this when i um i was in connecticut for grad school and i, I got involved in a in a party and I moved back to South Carolina, and I thought, well, I can take what I learned up there and, and you know, bring it back home, and it's an election year, and that'll be fun. So I met with a senior party official here who, a professor from my college, kind of hooked me up with, and it's a well-known political figure, kind of on the national stage even. And he was like, okay, well, you know, you've got great talent. We, you know, we'd love to have you help out with the party. You're energetic. You're 23. You know, we think you have a future in the party. I'll, I'll, you know, let me go back and I'll, I'll give you a call later. So I got a call back two weeks later from from one of his assistants, and they're like, "Yeah, we've got this guy in this in this town, an hour forty five minutes away from you, uh, who wants to run for state house, and uh, you can go manage his campaign." <laughs> I was like, "What? Seriously? Like I'm wow. in the state's capital, and you you want me to drive? I'm a teacher, and you want me to drive an hour hour and forty five minutes every day to go manage this campaign for nothing?" Like no money, no, you know, volunteer work. And that's the only volunteer opportunity. I was like, did I screw something up? And they're like, no, no, we, we love you. And we think you, you know, we, and I was like, okay. Uh, You're like the you only know. person in a, you know, three hour. Yeah. I was like, really, like well, why would you, why would you take a 23 year old who's on fire for the Lord and, and <laughs> turn them so sour, so immediately, you know, like I was so pumped up after that meeting. Um, so I, I feel I, so, I I feel what you're saying. Yeah. Okay, and so I, I believe you, it's the same party, but yeah, yeah. So you have some groups, 
Um, so, for instance, there's this um, group, the small group has put together a thing called Indivisible Guide. We'll put a link down to it in the show notes. Um, and, you know, their thing is, hey, if you, you know, we want you to resist Trump's agenda. So if that's what you're interested in, you can sign up for their stuff. You can put your zip code in and find if there's already a group in your area. If not, they give you tips on how to start your own group. They give you very concrete action steps for, you know, how to push things locally and organize locally. And it needs to be at the local level and really good. Just like, here's how you actually do it. Right? It's not about giving money. It's not about putting your name on lists or anything like that. Just here's how you actually do it. Just good tips. And uh, people are getting involved with them. But it's, it's kind of amazing to me that it takes these third-party groups to do something like this when this should be what the Democratic Party is doing. Right? And, I mean, how hard is it with all the money that you're putting into campaigns and websites and things like that? How hard is it to make sure that Every single, uh, you know, county uh, level of your party or state level of your party has information for every single precinct in their state or in their county, and a contact information for an up-to-date contact information for uh, the precinct chair and up-to-date meeting information for when they meet once a month or whenever. I mean, that's that's like the lowest hanging fruit that you can get. Let's just organize basic information and put it on the internet, right? I mean, that's an Excel spreadsheet. It's sure will take some time to put together and some time to keep updated, but you would think that's the bare minimum that you should be doing to organize locally. And, you know, so of course there's articles out today. I think I saw one in the post saying, you know, Democrats are kind of, they were surprised at like how many people came out for the Women's March and all this resistance to Trump. And, okay, yeah, we were all kind of shocked at how large the marches were. Um, but now you got to do something, right? you got to have a plan to capitalize on this. You have, a, have to have a strategy to get people involved and to keep them involved. And if all you ever do is send them an email saying, give us your money or add your name to this list, they're going to get disillusioned pretty quickly, right? Well, I think that's, that's a big issue with the Democratic Party is that for so long they've been able to rely on a small pool of, of candidates and, and helpers, but a large pool of volunteers and a large pool of money because it's been, you know, I mean, not to be stereotypical, but it's been the coastal elite. <laughs> you know? it, it's been the people in... Well, it's um, been, okay, well, yeah, it's been the, the over half of the country that lives on close to, you know, within a couple hundred miles of the coasts. Yeah, and, if, you if, know, if, uh, if I mean, not, not to be elite. stereotypical, but you know what I mean. I mean, that would make South Carolina coastal elites. Come on. Right, I mean Charleston. Charleston, yeah. I mean Charleston, Charleston is always Democratic. Yeah, but they always vote Democratic. As does the PD, and I mean Horry County doesn't, but the PD does. Um, anyway, I, I mean, just I just think that coastal elites thing is is just a red herring. I think it's ridiculous. But your mom's a red herring. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I had to have a conversation with my six year old about your mom's about joke. your mama jokes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I was like, mean, what, yeah. what's that funny? So, I explained it to her now. That's all she can say. And I'm like, stop saying that at school. Um, so, okay. All right. But yeah. so a large, a large pool of volunteers <laughs> to some degree, right? But when do they actually contact volunteers? Right. In my experience, the only time I would say this, the only time I've gotten contacted by the party to volunteer has been for presidential elections. So you, you, you haven't been contacted to volunteer for, like a like a state house 
type scenario. No. By um, a person, yes, but not by the party. By the person running for state house who right. is, you know, uh, goes to church with us. Yeah, so we've supported her and we've, you know, supported her campaign and things like that. But yeah, not by the party. You know, the party isn't saying like, hey, we have this local race or there's this local issue, you know, we want you to know about. And here are the meetings that if you if you can go, go to these meetings. Right? Do, you think, do you think the Democratic Party has learned anything at a national level or on state levels from? I mean, it's hard to tell, right? because, because in, in reality, right, uh, it's been a relatively short period of time, right? The Florida Democratic Party just had their new elections. They've just like elected new chair, vice chair and that kind of stuff. So things are still getting organized. And, and I'm hopeful that there are a lot of conversations and strategies being developed that are not kind of out public yet. Um, but I've not seen anything that tells me they have a real strategy for capitalizing on this and actually um, organizing at the local level because you can't wait until the winter of 2017, 2018, the summer of 2018 to start organizing for the 2018 midterm elections because you're going to lose. Well, yeah, and because we don't have a bench. Right. So you have a, I don't know that if we that if we had an amazing plan in place right now that the Democrats could do what I would hope they will do in 2018. I don't know that we have enough time as it is. But no, what I no, what no, I know I that I've seen and other people are experiencing in other places um, tells me that we've got a long way to go on the organizing front, which is kind of amazing, right? So you have this huge apparatus and you know people can like it or dislike it whatever but you have this huge apparatus that has um in theory it's organized at the national level at the state level at the county level and at the neighborhood level and so you have this structure already built out across the entire country that should be the the easiest thing in the world to tap into that as a resource but it just seems like it's not being used at all so i i mean i don't know i mean i just i know what i'm dealing with and i i have enough contacts i can you know i, I know enough people i can contact to push through the wall and you know figure out like hey when does my precinct actually meet um but there are a lot of people who are kind of just becoming politically involved that don't know where to turn. And the first place they're going to turn is the Internet, and there's going to be no information there for them. And they're not going to certainly know who to contact. And so it's just going to fizzle out, and they're not going to do anything. Well, I mean, but that's always been the, the case with, I mean, both parties. But young people often get frustrated because they're on fire and they want to do something and the parties want to channel that, but in a kind of a, in an antiseptic way, you know, kind of like in a, in a, in a way that doesn't really rock the boat, you know? And so we can, we could channel those young people into, into ways that we can use them, but you know, we don't really want to get them too much of a voice because then they might shake things up and we have a way of doing things and, we don't really want to use Facebook and the web and all that. Um, you know, it's it's that institutional molasses of of old people 
trying to cling and hold on to something that they think is the right way to do something. And age doesn't necessarily mean that you're right or, or experience or the number of years you put into something might mean that you have more knowledge about something, but it might not mean that you're right about something. And right. I think or even if you were right, it doesn't mean that it still can't change and also still be right or fine. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Right. We're not talking about, you know, learning Coptic here. Like running for office is different than having a body of knowledge based around Shakespeare, you know, or, or being in the banking world in my case is different than learning all the ins and outs of the Quran. You know, so like, yes, if you're 70 and you, you've dedicated your life to studying the essentials of origin, like you probably know a crap ton about origin and a 25 year old doesn't need to stand up to you and say, you don't know everything there is to know about origin because you probably know most about what there is to know about origin if you studied origin from 25 to 70. Yeah. Politics, marketing, advertising, banking, you know, whatever. Those things are different beasts because they're moving targets. And I don't think a lot of people get that. Yeah. So uh, I'd, I'd like to hear, you know, if there are any of our listeners that have had great success getting involved, if they've just decided recently, like, hey, I want to get involved and they did get involved or if they've had struggles, um, I'd like to hear from them. And if it's, you know, it doesn't be Democratic Party, it can be any, anything, any kind of calls that you're interested in getting involved with. Maybe it's Planned Parenthood. Maybe you marched this weekend and decided I really want to get involved and, you know, with Planned Parenthood and, um, you know, help them out. Or maybe it's the ACLU or maybe it's the Heritage Foundation or whomever. Um, you know, I'm, I'm just thinking a lot these days, particularly because of the conversations we had last week um, and because of the marches and and the way that a, a lot of the response to the march has been. Um, thinking about, okay, well, how do you organize this thing on a national scale? And it's just kind of amazing where when you have structures already in place that apparently aren't being used for the purpose that they ostensibly exist for. Um, but there, and this is where other things are stepping in and they're, you know, filling this void. So there's, uh, indivisible guide. Like I said, there's that there's also, um, oh, there's a newsletter that I signed up for today that I saw. And there's a bunch of, there's, I've seen a number of these things like, Hey, you know, every week I'll, you know, send you a, you know, an action that you can, you know, a list of actions you can do this week or every day. Uh, there's also another thing, Faith in Public Life has launched. So if, I don't know if you know Faith in Public Life, but they are a group that um, basically they exist um, to kind of help uh, faith leaders organize around issues of justice. And they've launched uh, an initiative called Justice 100. And so it's for the first 100 days, they're kind of elevating uh, justice issues uh, on their blog and sometimes giving you, you know, action points. And so you have all of these other groups that are stepping in and saying, hey, the, the main question people have today is, I don't know what to do. And so we're going to give you concrete things to do, uh, which is great because I think that's what we need. And I don't think everything needs to go through some, you know, uh, political party structure. But, you know, knowing where the Democratic Party is and where they want to be and where I'd like to see them for a number of reasons, you would think like, hey, you should be doing some of this, too, because this is honestly not that difficult. Most of these people are, are doing this for free. I mean, one of the newsletters I signed up for today 
Uh, this woman is saying, hey, I, I just, I know how to do this. I've had experience doing this. And every week I'm putting together a newsletter for you in my own free time. So you can't tell me that a party with the resources that the Democratic Party has can't be putting together something like this as well. Well, I mean, I, I don't think it's, it's not malicious. I think it's just, I don't know, I, I think it's just people don't really understand that institutions aren't what they were 15, 20, 30 years ago. Right, and related to that, volunteerism is not what it was right exactly decades ago either right 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 i mean you, you look at the number of people who are going out there and signing the the <coughs> i'm sorry <laughs> it's choking me up oh, God, you choked up <laughs> what it was at the uh right uh we the people um uh pledge things to you know uh, trump releases his tax documents or, or trump to do this or trump to do that right you know, 300,000 in the first day or whatever, first tax documents. Right. Um, that's weird. And that's unsettling, both to the Democrats and the Republicans. And this is why, Thomas, I really do think, and let me be clear, I really do think <laughs> that we're going to see the rise of something like the Pirate Party in Iceland. I mean, between Trump and the Bernie movement, I really do think we're going to see kind of this third rail of politics that rises and even the women's march i mean there are a lot of, of people who feel disenfranchised by both the democratic and republican parties mm-hmm. who, who are not being able to activate or or, or or buy into something i mean you look at patreon you look at you know gofundme or indiegogo or kickstarter like people want to be a part of something and for some people, that's a Facebook thread. For some people, that's giving. I mean, I just gave twenty-five bucks a month to a NASCAR reporter who used to write for USA Today, and he decided I'm going to break out on my own and do this own thing. And I just need, you know, five bucks a month from people that read me. And I'm like, yeah, I, li- I like this guy. I support what he does. Like here, here have you know this much money a month, and and you know, thank you for what you do. Like that's activism on a certain level, right? It, and I, I really do think we're going to see the rise of something like the Pirate Party in the United States that we wouldn't have thought possible 10 years ago, five years ago, because things have broken down and the, the web has really changed so much of this. A- am I wrong? No, I think you're absolutely right. It's kind of, it's kind of ironic when you think about it, right, um, that how the web has democratized activism and uh, volunteerism in a way that people who are looking for activists and volunteers aren't comfortable with. Uh, I know. I think, I think you're absolutely right. And I think that it is hard for these large structures to be responsive um, because it's how, you know, it's how we've always done things or whatever. Right. I mean, you and I, I've obviously spent a lot of time in churches. That's kind of our background. Um, And we, dealt a lot with working with people in churches and organizing volunteers and things like that. And um, it's hard to, even in a small thing like that, you know, not even talking about a national party, to change ideas about how are we going to handle our volunteers and get people to agree to, use, you know, time or to give their money or whatever. Um, but I think 
that and you you and I have talked about this quite a bit off the show. I don't think we've talked about it much on the show, but particularly with giving as well, right? That's changing a lot too and how people are choosing to give to causes and don't as much want to give to overhead. You know, a lot of people want to give to a specific thing like, oh, you need a new, you know, kitchen in your church, I'll give that. You need to build a new homeless shelter, I will help so you can build a new homeless shelter. But I'm not just going to, you know, give a recurring donation to this national political party or, you know, I'm not going to give a recurring donation to this, you know, religious institution. So I think giving is changing. And however we may feel about that, uh, I'm personally someone who, because of that, I like to give to the overhead and say, you know, I think you're in leadership for a reason. I trust that you'll use it in the way you need to. And, you know, people need salaries and you got to fix air conditioning units and keep the lights on. Um, but however we feel about that, we have to recognize that this is where a lot of people are and this is kind of how these things are shifting. And if you want to keep um, capitalizing on that, right, getting people involved and keep being a place where they think it's wise to spend their money and effective, you need to change how your your tactics. And, and uh, I think so many people are threatened by the Patreons and the you know, GoFundMe types of the world that they are for some reason hesitant to think of that as credible and try to discredit that, you know, and say like, well, that's, you know, that's fine for whatever, but you know, we, we've, we've got to be up and up and this is how we're going to get activism or raise money or get the word out. Yeah. I don't know. I, I think that, um, I think, I think that the Democratic Party really is in a lot of trouble. And and they've done it to themselves. Yeah. Well, I've got ideas about organizing, so, you know. What do you, I mean, okay, so if you could, like, like say Thomas Whitley was, was installed as the new Democratic Party chairperson of Tallahassee County, what would you do? First, I'd have to find Tallahassee County, but um, <laughs> <laughs> Chickawa County or whatever your county is. We're actually in Leon, but uh, Leon I don't county. expect you to know Mariana County. county. It, there's Mariana, Florida down there, right? There is Mariana, Florida, but it's not Mariana County. I know it's M A R I. You know why? Because and because then, Farm yeah. Credit of Northwest Florida is located in Mariana, Florida, and they have Could the caverns there. So next time you come down to Farm Credit in Mariana, we can go to the Mariana Caverns, which are actually really cool. So. They have caverns like yeah, caves. They have under underwater, I mean not underwater, underground. Some of it's underwater, but underground caves. Yeah, caverns. They're really it's really amazing. Yeah, it's fantastic. Huh. You know, in Mariana means bittersweet in Hebrew. So there you go. There you go. Um, Why would someone name their kid bittersweet? I'm not. I'm not. I'm, I'm not sure throwing you, shade on my my in laws. I, I know some people you can ask. <laughs> why would Why would you name your kid bittersweet? And and they're all like. It's not like they picked the name out of the blue. Like they're they're church going people, ministers, and I'm just saying. Um, what would I do if I were organizing? I think <laughs> there are some basic, simple things. The first thing is you you have to figure out what's all the information as far as like okay, who are who are the people that are precinct chairs and things like that? Uh, who are the ones that are you know should be contacted? When are they having their regular meetings? And all of that information needs to be online and accessible for people so that they can find it. When they're looking for it, they can say, okay, hey, Tuesday That's dangerous. Night. People aren't going to do that. That's dangerous because you're opening yourself up to people from the outside. 
Okay, I'm, but you're asking what I would do. And I know, I think but, it needs to be but done. how are, how are you going to handle that from the old white men who say, you know what, Thomas, I, I like that, and I see what you're saying, but, I mean, there's security, and we don't really want all these people, like, involved. Okay, then the next thing you need to do what is the people, you can put contact information there, even if you don't put your regular meeting time and location, which I still think you should. Um, then when people email you and say, hey, I'm interested, you actually email them back. Right? I mean, that seems like a start. And if you have precinct chairs who aren't responsive, then you kick them out as precinct chairs and you get new precinct chairs. I, I just I just don't think you can have, as a large organization that's trying to organize like that and people are wanting to get involved, you, can, you just cannot suffer someone who is not doing what they've agreed to do, even though it's a volunteer position. Um, so I think that's something you have to do. And then I think you need to, when you send your emails out, uh, I think a lot of emails should not, I don't think all the emails should come from the national party like the majority of them do now. I think you should be getting emails maybe from the state party, but certainly locally. And says like, you know, hey, here's what here's the thing that's happening in our precinct. You know, we have this issue or, you know, we're going to have a community forum. We're going to talk about this in our neighborhood because, you know, we have an issue with sidewalks because it's really dangerous. And we have kids waiting out there for the bus and they don't have sidewalks to stand on or whatever it is. Or we have uh, this issue. We're going to talk about that, and then we're going to go talk to the city council. We're going to go talk to the county commission, whomever, um, and here's how we're going to do that. So you send emails like that with, hey, here are some specific things we can do. And um, sure, you need to ask for money at some point, but that should not be every or every other email that you send asking for money. Um and, and so I don't I just think you you build a network. It's not really that complicated. Uh, you already have the apparatus there and you put people in position that are responsive. And then when people say, hey, I want to help, you have a list of ways developed already that they can help. Sometimes that will mean canvassing. Sometimes that will mean making phone calls, but sometimes it won't. It will mean other things. And it will also mean doing things at other times than just when there's a presidential election. Yeah, I mean, that's the real thing. If you only call me to come canvas to help the president get elected, uh, that's great. I make it, and I understand, you know, yes, there are a lot more people get excited there, but I'm going to be more likely to come out then if I've already, if I have ownership in it already, because, you know, I worked with you and we had these community forums and we talked about this and, you know, we see real progress being made on these sidewalks that we didn't get. Uh, or, or whatever it is, right? Whatever the issue is. I don't you know, whatever it is locally, maybe it's guns on campus. That's certainly one that's coming up here uh, in Florida. Um, again, this session is going to be coming up. And so maybe you kind of organize around that issue. Um, and then you can say like, hey, we, whatever, we got that, you know, it didn't get out of committee. So we count that as a win, you know, on this bill. And so you have little wins you can look back at. So then when it comes time to, uh, canvas or organize for the for a presidential election you're excited to do that because you have some wins but maybe hey you also think about organizing for a midterm election or a state house seat or a county commission seat or whatever right even though you know most local politicians run no party affiliation but you know whatever it is um i just i don't know it just seems pretty easy to me and you give people regular ways to get involved 
And I, I, I fully understand what you're saying, right? There's pushback. There's going to be a lot of pushback. There'll be a lot yeah. of reasons. It might be security. It might be, you know, whatever. And the heart of it may be, well, we don't want, we like the things the way they are. And we don't want new ideas and new people. That might be the heart of it. That's obviously wrong. And you're not going to grow your party that way. You're going to die that way. Um, then create it. Well, and that might be what has to happen. You might have to create it. Start in Tallahassee. Yeah. So, um, Thomas, the, the future of the party is in your hands. <laughs> Thanks, apparently now. We've worked all this out over a podcast, so we've, <laughs> we, we're good to go now, I'm pretty sure. We're, we're all set. Hey, uh, Barack Obama with citizen.org or whatever, like, yeah, um, if you want to drop some money our way, yeah. Thomas is trying to rebuild a party. That yeah, the Obama Foundation. Destroyed. Look here. Look here. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I have a lot of thoughts about this. I'm just thinking Well, that, then share them. Yeah, well, I am. Well, I'm I'm sharing the ones that are appropriate right now. But. Share the inappropriate one. I mean, that, that's for the no one's listening. That's, for no the that's true. No Nobody's li- just a few thousand people. Um, yeah, I don't. I mean, I would like to hear. You know, if our listeners have ideas for what they think are great ways to organize, but you know, if you're not, I just, I don't know. But if you're just not really leveraging the power of the internet and social media these days. To organize, then you're not organizing, and 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 I think you're right. Then in or a lot of cases, in a lot of cases, it looks like whether it's true or not, the perception is they don't want people to be involved, um, because they make the information basically impossible to find, and that's not a winning strategy. I don't care who you are, Thomas. That is a winning strategy. Period. Hashtag alternative facts. <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm I'm interested to see um, see what well, comes of that. This doesn't all have to happen. I, I'm not. I'm, uh, well, I'm not. No, I'm not going to let you off the hook because I know you're passionate about this. I'm gonna I'm gonna push you. I'm gonna ride your ass like Zorro to quote um, Rod Tidwell and Jerry Maguire. Uh, I, I would have nothing less from you. <laughs> Boo fucking you. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Oops. Let's put a marker there. W. Travis is going to uh, is going to uh, correct me on my my usage of language there, but um, yeah, I mean, uh, why not? Why not? Why not start something? Well, I might. We'll see. There's definitely something something needs to happen. Well, no one else in Florida of any integrity is running for anything. So, <laughs> well, or that's not entirely true. Political. But <laughs> I'm just joking. Yeah, you're right. There, there is Jeb exclamation point. Jeb, poor Jeb. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. But yeah. But I'm, so I'm just assuming you're able to translate all of that. What, what's Jeb? What's Jeb doing now? He's he just hanging around. No, he's gonna start. Um, consulting for some he has like his own like organization thing or whatever they're going to start consulting again or something like that i saw an article the other day and he was basically like i can't stay out of work forever which is true i mean sure he has more money than i have but i also understand (laughs) like hey you got overhead you got to pay the bills so yeah um yeah so i think it's through his consulting firm or whatever it is i'm not sure exactly but Hmm. um hmm yeah, I was really disappointed to see him come out in support of Betsy DeVos. Yeah, that was that was harsh. That was hard. I, I'm not a fan of hers at all. 
No, particularly since uh, she is trying to build build God's kingdom through the public school system, or actually not through the public school system, through the private and charter school system, basically. So just through our children. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. But that's a topic uh, for another show. Yes. Um. You know what? I will. I was gonna. I was gonna turn to the Pope, and um. <laughs> As we all are. <laughs> And his warning that rising populism could produce a new Hitler, but I won't. Uh, we we often end our shows on a depressing note, so I'll try not to do that tonight. Okay, so so I'm going to ask you a quick question, just so we don't end on a on a, uh, a sad note. And for the people who stuck around and listened to us rant, I've got to go to Florida this week. I'm sorry, not not your part of Florida. Sadly, I'm going, you're going to be in Central Florida. I'm going to Central Florida. Um, I'm taking my mod, of course, my This Is Ground mod, and is there anything I should put in my mod that I haven't put in my mod? So, you know what I carry in my mod all the time that is probably a little unusual? Yes, tell me. Is, it's a, it's a little tiny uh, metal ruler. For your tiny hands? For my tiny, tiny hands. This is a little tiny metal ruler. So I have one from This Is Ground, actually, that came in a pencil case of theirs that I got, which is nice, but it's a little bit larger. But the one I carry is actually my grandfather's. He was an engineer. It's this little, has a little sleeve that it slides into. It's, I think, five inches long. Uh, it has inches on one side, but it also goes down to like at least 30 seconds uh, of an inch and maybe smaller. Um, but that can and be. You, you use this often. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, occasionally, um, not every day, but you know, sometimes you need it. You've got it there. It's also a great straight, you know, straight straight edge if you need that. Um, you know, you never know. TSA may want to measure something, and you've got a ruler there um, <laughs> while they're while they're uh, inspecting things. So you know, I don't. I mean, I just figured, but that that's that's an that's an, a good idea. Common, an uncommon <laughs> thing that I carry in my mod every day. Yeah. That that is a good thing. So I, I slid a um, I got a, a battery pack from Google a couple of years ago from the Project Phi. Yeah, like a pretty slim battery pack, and in in the Mod Three it fits perfectly, like over in the right side. Um, and I'm like, do I do I want to put that in the mod? You know, because every every like centimeter in there like impacts the the right. thickness. Um, yeah, so I don't carry um, a battery pack in my mod. I carry it in my tech top kit, my battery pack. Oh, but yeah, usually when I travel, I, yeah, because I have the top kit. So I'll travel, like, or when I travel, I'll put the battery pack in there. I'll, I'll put, you know, computer chargers, all my all my cords, all my dongles, right? I've got a bunch of dongles these days. Um, and I'll throw all that in the tech top kit, and then it's all just contained in there. So I don't have to worry about, because for me, the, the charger is not... It's not as essential an everyday carry that it needs to be in my mod. Right. Because I have a cord but, in there that I can plug in if I need to. Yeah, but but like, um, I don't know, like like today I, I was in a situation where I had my mod and I had, I keep a cord like folded up from my Pixel uh, and my Pixel was getting low. It was like five o'clock and I wasn't anywhere near like a USB port. And I was like, eh, if I had my external battery, you know. 
That's true. Anyway. Yeah, but so when I'm traveling, my tech top kit is in my briefcase, which is with me. So I can pull that out with just a little bit more effort than pulling my mod out. But yeah, your day to day, I mean, it depends. I mean, if you have a pixel that dies by five o'clock every day, I guess you do need to. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, actually, Thomas. Okay, computer. Which is better, the Google Pixel or the Apple iPhone? I can't find the answer to the question I heard. Yeah, of course you can, Amazon. <laughs> yeah, Amazon is agnostic between the two. <laughs> You're all about the agnosticism, Thomas. You need to you need to make a decision. You're going to split your pants sitting on the fence with your agnosticism. And on that note, <laughs> as you're thinking about me on a fence uh, and Sam as Zorro, I was going for a Huckleberry fan, but okay. Yeah, I was trying to mix metaphors. Yeah. Uh, As always, uh, you can find us on Twitter. That's where pretty much all of our best content is these days. Uh, I'm at Thomas Whitley. Sam is at Sam Harrelson. And you can find more great podcasts at thinking.fm.